0: If you are sitting at home next to your radio, you're hearing the music faster than you are if you're in the hall. Listening for the secret, searching for the sound. This is The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman.
1: Listening to Mul Holland off the recently released album debut of King Canyon, featuring Grammy-winning musician Eric Krasno, multi-instrumentalist Otis McDonald, and electric upright bass player Mike Chiavaro. Derek Trucks also guests on the track. As you already know, Krasno is a renowned guitar player, producer, and songwriter. He is best known as the guitarist and founding member of both Soul Live and the funk outfit Lettuce. He has collaborated with a wide range of musicians, including the Tedeschi Trucks Band, Phil Lesh, and many other jam band musicians in what has been an eclectic career to date. We caught up with Kraz, as he's affectionately known to his many friends, to talk about the King Canyon record and the other projects he had on the go before the new year. This is an interesting thing to talk about. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, Tell me how you... um Found out about this project that um, with Otis McDonald and Mike, um, is it Chivaro?
0: Yeah, Chiv- Chivaro. So yeah, the way it happened um, was right in the beginning of COVID. Um, I, I had recently moved to LA, and you know I still think it's such a blessing that I got to move the timing of everything for me, I felt was so fortunate. Um, I was starting a new family, my wife was pregnant. I mean, there was a lot of ways that you could look at it as really scary, but I had a new house, I had a, a new studio, I was acclimating into a new place. But, um, you know, I, I finally got to really spend some time creating in the studio and also spending time with my pregnant wife and then eventually my son because as he was born like in August, 2020. So, but I met Otis um, and his real <laughs> name is Joe. But uh, I, we, we met two different friends of mine at the same time, Adam Deitch and Will Blades both told me about him. And Will had told me about him years ago and recommended that I call him as a drummer um, when I, was doing a West Coast tour. I ended up getting Jay Lane, but he, I, I had, I had heard his name, and uh, so, but I knew him as Joe. I didn't know him as Otis. So his his moniker on on social media and his artist name is Otis. So once I connected with him, I realized, oh, that's Will Blades' right. guy. So beginning of COVID, um, we connected on on, on the internet, and we both have studios, you know, and he he actually. Um, resides in Studio D at Hyde Street, which is was originally called Wally Hyder, and the room that he's in that he rents, you know, but it's his room. It's all his gear, and that room was the, the room where they made Garcia the solo record. It's where they made a lot of American Beauty, um, a lot of Grateful Dead records, but then also Herbie Hancock, like the era that I'm in love with, like the funk era, made in that room. Uh, Tupac made in that room Um, so many legendary albums pretty much everything from the bay has been through there Santana Tower of Power you know it was kind of the hub of the bay area for many many years so you know it started out as like oh I'm in this cool studio check out the history and then we started talking about music and uh and um we started uh connecting on on production and songwriting, and I played him some of what I was working on, and he was like, hey, we should we should collaborate. And I, initially, I just was thought we were sending ideas and that eventually we'd get together, but I, I sent him a song of me playing and singing, um, acoustic guitar, some percussion, I plunked out some piano, and he was like, cool. Oh, actually, the first one was um, the Bob Dylan song, Man and Me. Uh, He he was putting together a compilation. He's like, well, what if we did a song together? And I was like, well, I've been kind of working up this. It was a covers compilation. I was like, kind of working up this Dylan song. Why don't I just, I literally was like playing it when he was texting. I was like, oh man, I'd love to play that. So I just worked up a little version that was a little bit, had a little Motown kind of vibe to it. Um, And he sent me it back. You know, I had like acoustic guitar, vocals and piano. He sent it back to me with drums and bass and orchestration and background vocals. And I was, he did it all himself, you know? And again, it was like, we were just kind of sitting in our studios. It was COVID times. There wasn't a lot going on, but I was still just like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. So um, I don't want to go too much onto that, but that, that was how I made the album Always, which um, came out in February. So, you know, and we just were on a roll, man. We were just like, okay, well, this is such a great process. And about halfway through that, it's really interesting because also remember how Zoom was brand new yeah. when the COVID started? Well, a lot of other things also were new, like in terms of collaborating online. Everyone was trying to come up with these ways to work like how we're yeah, yeah. communicating right now, like all via satellite or whatever. So he and he's like a real techie guy and he's like he's on youtube all the time and he's just like otis is is connected with all these people he knew these people that were developing this software called pedal which we started using and and we were like giving them feedback on how it works you know so we started collab collaborating in almost real time in terms of like we were just the way we're talking right now we were making music that way like so we had a screen like this and we had the studio to the side but we could see each other's screens and we could hear the music in high def so we were able to work really effectively almost i mean there's nothing that replaces being in the room with a person but it was the the thing was he had all of his instruments mic'd up and ready to go and i had mine so it wasn't like we had there was no changeover you know it's like having a gig where the lock and they're playing at the same time and both you know so like he's had all his gear going and I had mine going and we both know our gear really well and I had my guitar with all my pe- and it's rare like over the years I've never this was the always in, in King Canyon where the first time I had literally all my gear I'm always like flying into a studio bringing like a little pedal board and a guitar I had all my guitars all my toys I'd been sitting there for weeks you know in my freaking shorts and my flip-flops and so I got to really dive into sound you know it's versus being in a studio where it's like, oh, I guess that'll do, you know? This was like, oh, this is cool. And then a week later, I could be like, let me do that again, because now I found this other sound. So I was building these this kind of sonic palettes too, like trying different pedals. And so it really was, I got to spend time for the first time in my life, to be honest, like making a record, like Soul Live Records, we'd make them in two days. You you got studio time, you got two days in and out. Um, So when Always was finished, I was like, well, it's still the pandemic. <laughs> what do we do now? So he was like, hey, you know, I'm making music, you know, for various different like libraries, because that's kind of yeah. like his side hustle. Um, how he created Otis McDonald was like, he was making music for Facebook, or for YouTube. And he's like, you know, I think we could do really well doing like these instrumentals, you know? Um, so I was like, okay. And he and Mike started creating tracks and just sending them to me. And the first few we did, we did them in a di- one day did four tracks and we were done with it. And I was listening to it and I was playing it for my wife and we were all like, this isn't library music. Like this is an album. This is an art. This is a band. You're like, this is a thing. Um, And I was like, you know, you might be, this could be a thing. Like, let's keep trying. And we made like 12 songs over the next few weeks. And we, and it was so easy mainly because their musicianship and we all just knew what to do. And we wanted to make this like surfy, kind of vibe and like also i've been noticing that like on spotify like everything my wife and i listened to during the pandemic was like krong bin and via, via farcature and Rai cooter and i was like i want to make a record that's not like you know always i was spent so much time like kind of chiseling away at these lyrics and meanings and i was like i just want something that doesn't even make me think i just want something that's just on it makes me feel good i want to drive to it i want to cook to it I want to like sit at the beach and put it on and uh somehow the pandemic really like made me (laughs) appreciate that a lot i started listening to like and not even jazz with like tons of soloing and stuff like stuff with just simple melodies and uh so this was that you know and it was like okay let's just keep creating and uh so then about halfway through i started also writing tracks and then sending it to them because initially it was like them sending me here's bass and drums add to this so that I started being like oh now I got some stuff um and that and it just evolved and honestly we have so much more that's not on, on the record because we just kind of kept doing it because it was fun
1: yeah yeah totally first of all what I find fascinating is that
2: <clears throat>
1: the pandemic allowed us all to sort of reach out and do different things and meet new people um because we we were looking for friends we were looking for people to hang out with because you know you can only hang out with your your regular friends for so much you need you need to sort of expand the horizons a little bit what I find fascinating is that you know sure they worked uh Otis worked uh with you on on the solo record but what I find fascinating is that they put together you know drum and bass tracks that you effortlessly fit in. Now, I don't know which tracks are yours and which tracks are theirs originally, but to me, the whole record is, yeah, a good, to me, the whole good. record is just that, exactly <laughs> that, that ethereal tell. kind of um, lo-fi soul, kind of like, there's moments where it's like Al Green, there's moments where it is Kurungbin, there's like tons of different moments throughout it, yeah. um, but it is, it is so cool and it's yeah. great that, they knew where you fit in and you knew where they would fit in without having ever met them, I guess, just by hearing them.
0: Yeah. I mean, that part was pretty amazing. I, I, you know, when we started doing it, Otis and I had a bit of a, a rapport and a, and we kind of had a thing going, but then Mike just, he, and then he and Mike had been friends since like high school they'd been playing together. So Otis just knew right away. He's like, Oh, you and Mike are going to be like that, you know? And it was, and Mike had such great ideas and great tone. And like, it's so funny because I usually play bass on my stuff, you know? And so, and, and then so does Otis, but he, and so it's kind of funny that we got a bass player, but he brought so much to it because of his approach is different than both of ours, you know? And it kind of pushed us to do different things. And yeah, it was, it was also just, again, like the effortless thing. It's rare for me to make something that I feel that is really good that easy (laughs) it's never easy I think a lot of the setup and the where we that it is never easy and I think the the hard part was getting to where we were in our paths and in our technical ability and stuff to make it easy you know because then all of a sudden they're both engineers they're both studio guys so it was like okay um let me change this one part and we would do it and send it right back and you know, it's not many musician friends of mine that are that technical in terms of their engineering and their production and stuff. So all three of us were kind of yeah. super, we're super nerds, you know what I mean? So it was like, oh, let me just tweak that one part, send it to me, boom, 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 send it right back. So that was an, an element to it that was, but we, 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 we right. just had fun. It was like, not, it, it was like, I got excited about it. And I hate to sound jaded, but it's like when I'm doing session work and like playing guitar and things, it's not always like, not always running to the studio with my coffee. Like, yeah. So with this, every time a new track would, would, would pop into my email, I'd run out to the studio and I'd have a blast, you know? And it was, of course, I think we'll have fun when we actually get together and play and that'll be a whole other level of fun. But it actually was, you know, especially during the pandemic where it was such a weird time and it was just nice to just take my head out of the news and (laughs) just like playing Um, my guitar, you know? And also not overthink it. I think that was my other thing. Is like my, and, and I love the other albums and stuff I was working on, but it, this one was just a, a, a night, like you said, it just flowed and it was effortless and it was just fun.
1: Yeah, you hear. I, I think you hear that when you listen to these tunes. And I'm going to guess that Laurel and Mulholland are both yours because they're LA feels. Um, so that would make sense.
0: Yeah, Mulholland is one where I kind of built the track and sent it. Laurel, actually, they sent, but then I definitely, I mean, all the melodies yeah. are kind of me, um, but Laurel, you can probably hear, there's like a little bit of Almond Brothers in there. Um, are, both of those are very guitar harmony, yes. guitar money. You know, it's kind of been my thing the last couple of years, like always, all my guitar solos on that record have like guitar harmony in it. Yeah, I've always been into that, you know, it's always been something that I am, am into. And it's funny because then I was down at Derek's, Derek and Susan's studio once things opened up a little, I played at Sawani yeah. when that was like the first festival that was open and I went to their studio and they were making the I am the moon record. And he was like, we got to do like guitar money on this track. So I played on one of the songs for their record. And while I was there, I was like, oh man, let me just play you this thing that I'm doing. And I played him that track. And it's funny because it says it's like featuring Derek Trucks on Mulholland, but he doesn't play till the very end. And because I'm kind of like doing my own (laughs) Derek impression in the middle of the song, you know, and I was like, I was going to take a slide solo, but I figured why not get the best, the (laughs) best, you know, So I love the why not get the best theory. So he just ripped a solo, you know, in like one or two takes. And I was like, that's it. Uh, what speaking it needed, of personalities,
1: you know? Sun Little also appears on the record. And I assume that's also a you collab more than, yeah. than the guys up north. How did you, how did you,
0: uh, for Sun on, uh, for that track? Yeah. So that track also was mostly built out beforehand and then I brought it and uh, well, so Sun and I are also making another rest talking about the uh, pandemic stuff beginning of the pandemic or actually we started before um have an album a collaborative album that he and i've been working on and um this one just kind of fit the king canyon like vibe so i brought it to those guys they filled it out and then it was actually funny because son little aaron is a lot of aliases uh aaron's his name but uh we, we were hanging, you know, my bubble. He was like kind of in my bubble, I guess you'd say. Like he would show up and hang at my place for a while because we were work, working on music, we were writing music. And I was like, hey, man, I got to go up and do play with Phil Lesh at Terrapin. Because uh, he was doing those outdoor yeah, yeah, yeah. shows in Terrapin like in the middle of the pandemic, you know, like a year into it. And he was like, oh, maybe I'll just take that ride with you, man. I've always been kind of curious. I was like, all right, come on. I was supposed to drive by myself. So I was like, let's go. And he rode up with me. And it was funny because his initial plan was to go see his cousins and like he obviously was, was just gonna ride with me and maybe like see one of the shows. And uh he's not in the on the way up, I like prepped him, played him like you know, the Grateful Dead, yeah. like the entry, entry level. Like he's he really right, right, right. like trucking, you know, but he's like a soul guy. But he and he's actually a really he knows a lot about music, but he'd never done the deep dive, you know, on the Grateful Dead and uh and uh he got into it man like by like the time we got up there he knew what was up you know and he ended up going to all the shows we played like three shows and by the day three <laughs> he had his tie-dye on and was hanging with all the people I, you know he like fully got san francisco and then uh on like the last day i was like "Well, let's go by otis's studio while we're up here and we started playing that track and he was like, ooh, and he started like singing little things to it. And I was like, okay, let's just hit record. So it was totally, uh, it was kind of a spur of the moment thing, but made perfect sense in the end.
1: How do you have time for all of these projects? Like you always, like you are always around, it seems like whether you're playing with Phil or like at Terrapin or you were at the Chicago shows, I think like you're always kind of, yeah at the best of the best, you know, you're, you're a regular, at all the festivals you're just always gigging and always playing with other people. Like, how do you find the time with, with a, a little kid and in a new marriage and
0: stuff? Yeah, it's a lot. Like actually this week right now, it's been really crazy. I'm, I'm in Woodstock right now and I brought my family with me and it's been tough. Cause my wife actually had as an injury, oh, wow. she's actually had an acupuncture appointment right now. And I've got, I've got the, uh, I don't know if you've heard of these things, but my, my son is upstairs and I'm like watching him on this uh, as he's napping, but it's a lot, man. We juggle a lot. My wife is a trooper. um, And she's also an actress too. So she does auditions and stuff like that. And she's like busy, but she's also been willing to support me and travel with me as much as possible. Um, So it's, it's a lot, you know, but uh, it's, I, you know, I just have that bug. I'm always looking for the new thing. I get a rush off of, like, making new records, working with new people. I think it's a blessing and sometimes a curse, you know, like, that I didn't just follow one thing my entire career and just, like, yeah. hammer that out. I was always, like, too curious, you know. I was, like, you know, I, a few years into Soul Live, you know, when we had, when we got our to our, like, kind of peak of success, I was, like, I really want to, like, write songs and sing, you know, because that's what I was into as a kid, and, you know so I kind of broke off and broke off and started trying to do that and originally I was producing other people and writing for them And as the record industry kind of started to fall apart I was like well maybe it's time that I make my own records and so you know it's been this interesting totally meandering path but it allows me to do a lot of different things you know it allows me to play with Phil and kind of move around and uh I'm trying to be, I'm always trying to be more cohesive with what I'm doing, but uh, I, I tend to get off course as soon as I like get really into something, <laughs> you know, I'm like, ooh, I want to make a record with Son Little. let's <laughs> just go do that now, you know, um, but uh, but, I, but I do get to do some amazing things, I'm very fortunate and thankful, you know, and playing with Phil is a huge thing for me, I'm just, you know, I grew up that, on that music, and so nostalgic for me, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of slightly obsessed with like Grateful Dead history and, and, and uh, like, I want to be in 1970. I hear you. I I hear you. I think, (laughs) you know, it's like, I know I have a lot of things are the same
1: vintage. And I always tell people that, uh, I was born at least like I was born in 75 and I always tell people I was born at least 15 minutes, 15 years too late. Like I should have been 15 in 70, not minus five. You know what I mean? Like I would have been digging all of that stuff uh, because I dig it now. How do you, how are you going to choose what you want to, like does King Canyon now go on the road? Do you make more records with them? Like, How do you choose which projects get more of your attention versus which projects are studio projects or, or experiments or whatever? Like, How do you figure that whole thing out?
0: I don't. (laughs) <laughs> if you have any advice, just let me know. Uh, no, I, I think like, you know, depending it's that is the hardest thing, you know, because my, my like all of the people I work with on the business side of what I do want me to do one thing. Right. It's much easier to build an audience that when they know what you're going to do, because like right now, you know, for example, I did a festival the other day with my trio. I didn't know what we were going to do until we got there you know? And then I was like, okay, let's do some of my new record. Let's do some, some organs like soul jazz and let's do a King Canyon track, you know? So, you know, you're going to get all of it at my shows now. You're going to, and depending on the night, you know, if we're at a, we were at a festival and I felt like, oh, you know, these people, once I got on stage, I was like, these people don't know my new record. So I'm going to play some Hendrix and some Grateful Dead and some, and then pepper in my songs and do some instrumentals and do like one of the, my beatles covers and you know so, or if i'm at like a little club where people are like buying my record and they know my, my stuff you know then i'm right. like doing that you know it's a mix you know um but but back to what you said in terms of like what you know with king canyon like the great thing is that both of those guys understand it as a studio project unless you know what i mean if it blows up and we get huge yeah. offers we're gonna play you know, and I'm sure we'll play regardless, but I don't think you'll see us like, you know, on I-90 in a van. Like that's probably not, none of that. That's right. not really my thing anymore. You know, I want to, I tried, I tried this last year when when things finally opened up, I released my record and I did like a three week, like tour. And I was like, man, this is, and also the timing was so hard with, with, with the gas prices double and, and uh, flights double and and attendance down, you know, and it, it was so that was that was a, a kind of a wake up call, like, no, you know, let's pick and choose at least until things open up a bit more. And uh so that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's, I'm not wanting to road. I mean, I feel like I already am a road dog, but like my current thing, like for example, this weekend in a day, de- like in the, the current like life of mine is like, I did a festival. Friday, where I flew in, and then Saturday I get went to New York, saw to rescue Trucks. Sunday I played with Dumpster Funk as a special guest in a festival in Brooklyn. I'm up here in Woodstock for a few days. I go to Port Chester, play with Phil for a few days. I go to New Orleans. I'm musical director on this gig called The Tipping Point um, with Lucas Nelson, Stephen Marley, oh. and I'm putting that all together. And then I fly home, and then I come back and I do the Cabot Theater for three nights. So it's yeah. not like I'm not on the road, but I'm not in a van totally. with a trailer, loading in and out. Playing like in you know Ann Arbor, pedal Michigan, board, on a Tuesday, pedal board and guitar, you know? and away you go. Yeah, little tiny pedal board about this big now. I went from the pedal board that was the size of like a, yes. <laughs> a trailer, you know, like back in the solo days to like I got two pedals, you know, three pedals, something like that. It's kind of cool that
1: you have all of these projects, and then you can either jump in and be like featured guest at a Dunf-a-Stunk, uh situation or at a Phil and Friend show or you can play your own music in a trio, but you can play Soul Lives tunes or lettuce tunes or King Canyon tunes or Krasno sing solo tunes. Like you're building up this body of work that it doesn't really yeah. matter what the label is. It's it's ultimately all your work, right?
0: Yeah, I do think that is starting. That's like, I'm kind of turning yeah. that corner right now. You know, like I've I had I've had the assembly to on tour with me and like none none of my projects are dead lettuce is alive so alive. that's my thing is i'm not really good at right. ending anything <laughs> i'm not good at, i'm great at starting things not good at ending them but uh you know and i look forward to all of it like when lettuce invites me to play it's a blast and so so i was doing a run at the blue dog june and i'm excited about it you know like and i i i you know i rat you know some people look at it as like a as a as like a horrible situation when someone in the band quits or decides they won't want to tour i i look at it as an opportunity usually of like oh cool now i can do this thing that i've always wanted to do and you know what that guy's probably going yeah. to want to play again you know like so i'm not going to close that door um and i when soul Live gets together we have a blast it's like more fun than ever because we don't play that much um but yeah, I've kind of—I guess going back to what I was—what I was trying to say is like, you know, now when I go out with my trio, rather than you know, sit like with the assembly, I was really focused on playing this new record that, that I just made. Now I'm kind of like, okay, I like put down. I, I watched Steve Kimock do this once, like taking all the note cards and he makes a set list and he puts out all these cards of possibilities and moves them around. I kind of do that in my head, <laughs> versus like him doing it on a, But that was inspiring to watch because I was like. I'm like, I could do that. I got like, I've made like 40 albums, but now, you know, it's just all different things. I just need to, but it's fun to pick and choose from those things, you know? And then I also go down rabbit holes. Like I go down Hendrix. I've been on a Hendrix thing lately and I just read his book and I'm like super deep on Hendrix. And then I go into like Robert Hunter's own or, you know, or, or whoever Dylan, you know, so it's and I draw from that at that moment. But uh, but yeah, I do feel like right now doing these shows where I can curate it as like a history, you know, I've been around long enough where I can say, okay, I've got records that we can we can play a lot of different things and it doesn't really matter. The analogy to Kimok
1: is a good one. You know, it is it is it's like and and this is a terrible term, so I apologize, but it's like guitar player for hire, but not really because you're making the decisions it's not like they're calling you in it's like you're deciding to play and it's the same thing with kim yeah. like i could see you doing like krasno and friends tours for forever like and just playing all kinds of shit because yeah you're so versatile as a player and and you have you know you have the soul and funk thing you have obviously the rock thing like the r&b thing like you have so much knowledge and, and so many different ways of playing that you can't, you're like a chameleon, you can sort of fit in any situation, but you can also create those situations, which is, which is pretty dope. Like you create your own opportunities now.
0: Yeah, you know, it was funny. I had a conversation last night with a good friend of mine, Emily King, who's a singer songwriter that I'm a huge, huge fan of. And she's up in here in Woodside, we all made dinner and I was talking to her mom too, who's like a jazz singer. And, you know, she was, we were talking about just careers and stuff. And she's like, I had such a different career because I had my kids. And then my kids had a career. And one of the things I said to Emily was, you know, one of the things I dream about that you have is that people come to your show, you play two chords of your song and they start singing the whole thing. You know, I've always wanted that. I've always like yearned for that. And then her mom was like, oh man, you're such a <laughs> brat. <laughs> you know she's like you get to do all these amazing things and like when you you, you do that that's all they want from you is to do that so it's just like always the grass is greener you know but she was also had an interesting point she was like you're the side man that was never a side man which is kind of true because like I've been in all these bands and that was one of the things that I was like complaining about which was a horrible complaint I was like when I go out on tour with a new record, people are like shouting soul live songs, shouting lettuce songs, and I want them to want the new stuff, you know? And she's like, come on, stop being a brat. And I'm, she's like, you're fortunate. And it's true, I am fortunate that I'm, to have been in all these projects. And I think now I'm at a point where I love that, you know, I and I'm going to play the, I'm, I'm, I like playing these old songs, but I also like playing the new songs, and it's this mixture. But yeah, I've never really been a sideman, yeah. but I am, you know what I mean? because I play with Phil and I do Sola and I do Lettuce, but I've always had a lot of control. And even when I go out with O'Teal, you know, I think about my friends that like go out with uh, pop artists and stuff. I have a yeah. lot of friends that went that route. And I wouldn't say they're quote unquote replaceable, but they have to play the show like verbatim right. every single night. And they don't have a say in the set list. They don't have a say in the key of the song or how things are going to flow. Or, you know, it's like when I play with O'Teal, we sit down and he goes, yeah. What do you want to do tonight? <laughs> you know, and he goes, You want to play one of your songs? We play my originals. We, I get to sing Grateful Dead songs that I love. I get to play all my brothers. Songs. I get to play like the shit I grew up in on as well as my new stuff. But I, am I a side Kind of. I don't know. Like it says O'Teal and friends. It says crowds down here, you know. but. You know, it's an interesting place. I don't know that many people that have that same kind of thing. I also can say yes or yeah, no to for a lot sure. of things. <laughs> Where a lot of people don't have that option. It's like, okay, uh, Mumford & Sons is going on tour for three years. or are in or you out. <laughs> you know, I get to be like, well, I'll do this tour. Oh, this one, I got to go over here. You know? So, I, I, you know, I, I, I've been, um, I'm in an um, era of appreciation lately, I think, of like, okay, I like where I'm at Um, because, you know, when you're in your 20s, your 30s, you, like, want everything, the next thing to be bigger and bigger and bigger, and I had friends that had become famous, and, you know, and I was like, oh, man, they're famous, but, yeah, they can't, like, go out to dinner, you know, they can't, like, go to the store with their kid, you know, that would be the nightmare. I would never trade riches for that, you know, I would never want to not be able to just be Right, yeah, yeah. you know, and like you dream of that when you're a kid, but then when you actually see someone that lives like that it sucks, you know, it,
1: it's really cool. And I think also the environment, like the, the community that you're in allows you to sort of be um, Kraz showing up with OTL, Kraz showing up with whomever because they all, everybody knows you, like everybody knows the work you've done and whether it's annoying that they want to hear lettuce songs or soul live songs, it's, it's how everybody, like everybody knows you from the eight different things that you've been in. So to say that you're, to give yourself not enough credit to be a sideman, I don't think you're a sideman. I think you're like, it's featuring Eric Krasno. Like that's, that's huge. I think.
0: Yeah. I think I'm, I'm appreciating that more and more every day is that, you know, and, and for example, you know, this festival gig I did the other day, I keep referring to that because that's the most recent thing on my mind. But the fact that I could like create this set list that was completely off the cuff, you know what I mean? And it, I didn't have to do anything. I literally could have went up there and played like mountain jam for an hour. <laughs> People would have been stoked, you know what I mean? But I but I got to like mix in all these different things. So it's I've been inspired lately to just mix it up you know and I think that is something that has been that I've learned a lot yeah. from Grateful, the Grateful Dead you know what I mean and I hate going back to that it's so funny because for so many years I wasn't you know I was like a jazz guy you know what I mean but like the roots of my yeah. upbringing are Grateful Dead and I've been coming back to it so hard so hard like and and it's like the 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 freedom and the ability to completely go out and and change things all the time. That's, that's ballsy, man.
1: It's not so dissimilar from some of the stuff that Jerry did. Like, you know, Jerry appeared on like, you know, so many different things, what he was on the Thomas, Thomas Dolby record, which is totally weird. And he, you know, he was, he played in Los Lobos, which is, you know, interesting. And like, sure there's the Grateful Dead and there's the Jerry band, but he appears in all of these weird, uh with Merle, like on, on the Rainforest Disc record, like there's all these different things that he did. And sure he was Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead, but you know, he showed up everywhere. And because you have a wide range, like he did, you're, you're able to show up in so many different places and not feel out of place. Like, like you said, you're perfectly comfortable doing the leads at a Phil and friend show. But again, you could show up and play with Soul Live. Like it's, it's really cool.
0: I feel very, very blessed that I got to play with Phil and that opened things up to that because I think that moment was so big for me because it, even though I grew up on that music, when I became a professional musician, yeah. I literally was on a different path. And then when I started playing with Phil, learning all those songs again, because um, that music for me was outside of being a musician. Right. It was just something I grew up on. You know, I was the first shows I went to yeah. as a teenager and it was, so those songs were so nostalgic to me and it brought me to this really in this place that I still just enjoy so much. I put it on more than anything yeah. else again now, which is strange because I had like a 20 year gap, you know, and I put it on literally all the time, even the same recordings, like um, the old, like even like Europe 72 has kind of been an obsession again recently. And like, obviously the 77 like tours and stuff, but um yeah, I, I just geek out on it so hard and I forget where I was going when I, on this, on this, on this rant, but I was trying to say basically like that, that opened up so much playing with Phil and kind of inspired me to write a different way, to play a different way, to approach music differently. You know, um, like one, like, I remember when I first started playing with Phil, that first run when it was the queue without Jimmy and I was slotted in. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what the queue was, and I just was like, "Oh, playing grateful for music." Okay, okay, let me just like listen. And let me get my vibe together. And I remember some friends of mine being like, "It's gonna take. It's gonna take." A-. I remember after the first show, I thought I did great. I was like, "Oh, this is great." My friends like, "You know, you can." I mean? and- you need to like you know figure this out it's gonna you're gonna be okay though and i was like oh really was it not and then i like i think i listened back or my friend listened back I was like, oh man i'm just because like soul live when when it's time to solo with soul live or like it's like right. you kick the door down and it's like solo it's me this is me fanfare done you know whereas with the dead it's like it's not like that at all it's a communal movement you know it's like the band moves together And it's a lot harder than people think to do it, you know, and write and to weave in with each other. There's a communicating and there's a there's also a certain approach that Jerry had like no one else really has. And it's like uh, it's way deeper than I realized, you know. So that moment for me was like, okay, I need to like really absorb this and learn this and not just like come out ripping. You know what i mean and it but it also but it fed into my music a lot and like i made and it took me like kind of looking back at it, like even just making this record always like my approach to soloing, my approach to melody is very different than my earlier stuff where it's like i'm like right. ripping and roaring all the time um it's also could be my age <laughs> i'm settling right, down right. settling in a little bit more but um uh, yeah so i'm very appreciative Uh, of that opportunity because i don't think there would have been any other way Me learning those like 100 songs from that first run you know which were in my head my whole life that weren't in my fingers has done just so much for my ears and for everything so you're
1: busy i mean your calendar your dance card is always busy right like there's not not a ton of
0: downtime pretty busy yeah i kind of like um have been trying to open up time like i just finished building uh, a studio well building an addition to this to my studio in California so kind of like blocked off most of November and December to work in there and to produce for other people and um, revamping my label film music group I have a new partner and a new manager and so there's a kind of a lot of things changing in my world Um, and uh, so I'm after this month, I, I it chills out a little bit and I'm yeah. like regrouping a little. But uh, I, I made a new record with Stanton Moore this summer that's called the No Moore Project. And we actually recorded it here in Woodstock oh. at the Leval and Home Studio. And we're releasing that in the early spring. And we have a little tour. We're doing like the Blue Note for four or five nights and a Northeast run. And I think we're going to do some some other dates. So that's kind of the next thing. And it's a cool project. We actually did, it's like a, we decided to do a tribute to women in music and we just, we recorded songs by Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin. Um, We did a Billie Eilish song. We did a Casey Musgrave song all in the like realm of organ trio um, vibes with Eric Finland playing organ. And uh, it's very much kind of like, you know, what Lonnie Smith and those guys would do back in the day of like, when they'd cover the pop songs, we just did, just decided to do, women in music so it's it's a it's like a
2: huge
0: pop of music to choose from so we're already kind of like mm. thinking about volume two but uh it was a really fun project it was again like we didn't overthink it we just got in a room and Levons and just started playing and recorded it filmed it did a gig and uh we were like okay let's like do this so in the spring we're gonna do a tour i want
1: to thank you uh for this record dude absolutely and we'll catch up again um we got, your, we got our eye and our ear on you, and whenever there's something new, we want, definitely want to talk, and All right. King Canyon is definitely it. So Absolutely. thanks for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Whenever we get the chance to talk with Kraz, it always turns out to be a great conversation. You can check out the entire King Canyon record wherever you stream or buy music. It's really awesome. To keep up with Kraz's busy schedule, visit erickkrasnow.com. Before we leave you, let's listen to another track off of the King Canyon record. Here is Ice and Fire featuring Sun Little.
0: You've been listening to The Sound Podcast. Technical production by Adam Karsh and Andrea Ruse. Inspired by the music we love. For more, visit thesoundpodcast.com.